You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Um, our youth are in really good hands with Ryan and Sabrina. They've been doing a great job. In fact, you might not know this, but the youth group's growing now, even in these difficult circumstances. And so I think this is so great and an incredible, incredible testimony of what the Lord's doing. So again, welcome. If you're online, we want to thank you for joining us. For those in the congregation, here in this building and on the patio, it's good to be back. Annette and I took a little time away. We, uh, we really enjoyed it. We, we loved it. In fact, uh, we do this every now and again. We try to get away. And my, um, my grandson, Jojo, turned nine years old. And it's our tradition that each grandchild goes out with Grandma for the afternoon. And Grandma gives them a hunk of change, buys them toys, buys them lunch. And so they got done, came back. They were sitting in my, uh, my living room. Joe was eating on a piece of pizza. And I said, how did it go for you today? And he goes, it was incredible. And I said, well, listen, heads up on this one. You know what you got today? You got a pretty woman taking you out to lunch and giving you money. That is not going to happen very often. Do you understand that? And he looked at me and he goes, she's a very pretty woman. And then Annette said, he now is my favorite grandchild. And so we've been spending time with family. Um, it's been a blast. We've really, really enjoyed it. So it's good, it's good to be with you this morning, whether you, again, are here in the auditorium, on the patio, online. We are so grateful. For those that I haven't seen in a long, long time, I just want to tell you, if you're watching online, I miss you. And uh, for those that are in this room and in the patio, you need to know that you are missed and you are deeply loved. Annette and I want to really thank you, thank you all for your faithfulness, your faithfulness in being here and being present, being online and being present, and your faithfulness for giving. You've been so faithful at giving, uh, and I want to thank you for that. In fact, the, um, the 33 and a third fund, our, our benevolence fund to our community, has continued to grow, and that is because of you, and that's the heart of Jesus in you. To help those who need help. And so continue to do that. Be faithful. I just want to encourage you. I also want to give a big thanks to Pastor Mark for doing a great job the past several weeks leading us through the portion of the series Steadfast. And that's what we're going to do again today. We're going to continue our series Steadfast. So if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to give you a little heads up here. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it deals with the occupation that I hold. And I, I hold this, uh, this passage of Scripture dear to my heart, and I just want to be able to share that with you. I think it's timely that we come to this place in 1 Peter chapter 5. We've been hearing from the Apostle Peter who's writing to those who have been dispersed to Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. And uh, chapter 5, Peter writes about something very close to his heart, very personal. You see, it was Peter, James, and John that were the closest friends uh, of Jesus, the closest confidants of Jesus, and each had their own very intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. When you think about their personalities, the dynamic of who they were, James was longing to sit with Jesus when Jesus came into his kingdom. 
And, and he says as much. Uh, John is known as the one Jesus loves. And then you get to Peter, the shepherd. And that's really the heart of Peter. In fact, you can see that anointing come upon him or the call come upon him in John, the Gospel of John chapter 21, where Jesus restores Peter back into relationship. And he says to Peter, do you love me? And uh, he said, yes. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then tend to my lambs. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. I think Jesus is making a point, and that was that Peter was going to be the one that would be the shepherd that would feed sheep. And so when we're reading out of this passage of Scripture, we just need to know and be acquainted with the heart of Peter. Uh, Peter lived close to the great shepherd. Peter, the former fisherman turned shepherd of God's people. Peter learned how to shepherd from the great shepherd. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, he writes about a very dear thing, something dear to his own heart. In verses 1 through 4, what Peter does and what he does for us this morning is he defines the responsibilities and qualifications of a church leader, pastor, shepherd. And so what I want us to do is if we can just take a moment and prepare our hearts just to receive from God's Word today because God's Word is supreme. God's word is what we follow and what we listen to. And I'm just going to pray that we would have ears to hear, a heart to receive this morning. So let's do that together. If you're at home, would you do that with me as well on the patio? Let's pray. Father, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would come and give us ears to hear. Let our ears be open to the whisper of your Holy Spirit with all the sounds and noises and confusion that goes on in this chaotic world that we're part of, we need to hear that still, small voice. So come and breathe life into us through your word. Breathe life into us because your word never returns void. Thank you for the opportunities that you've given us to gather. Thank you for the opportunities you've given us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunities you've given us to share with those who need and long uh, to be filled by your Spirit. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I think you know this. As sheep, uh, we need shepherds. And sheep left on their own wander. They scatter. And they're generally timid. Those are the things that we know about sheep. Listen, you're going to never find a sports team that's uh, named uh, after a sheep or a mascot that's named sheep. I mean, when you think about the sports teams just in the Northwest, you have the Seattle Sheep. No, it's the Seattle Seahawks. Los Angeles Rams. That, it's not the Los Angeles Sheep. You have the Canby Sheep. No, it's the Canby Cougars. You see, nobody, um, nobody calls their team or has a mascot that's a sheep. The, the closest we get in the Northwest is we have teams called beavers and ducks. That's probably the closest that we get to sheep. I'm still wondering how that all happened. Sheep are not known for being ferocious animals. I mean, if you go up and you drive onto private property, the sign on the fence does not say, beware of sheep. It says, beware of a dog. Why? Because sheep are timid by nature and require care. Sheep require a shepherd. And that's something that Jesus understood. And that's something that was passed on to Peter. When you go through the Bible, you find the figure of a shepherd to be one of the most heartwarming, endearing pictures of a relationship that God has with his people. Isn't that true? It's a picture of care. 
of diligence, of correction, of protection. And when you think of the description of a shepherd in the Bible, I I think that your mind immediately will go to one great chapter, Psalm 23. It talks to us about a shepherd. And David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's provision. He refreshes my soul. That's encouragement. He guides me. That's leadership. And the scripture goes on and on to define well for us a relationship that a shepherd has with sheep. By nature, the shepherd is meant to be intimate, hands-on, close to the sheep. You see, a shepherd doesn't lead remotely uh, or from a distance. A shepherd always leads up close and personal. The job is not meant to be done remotely from a distance. And honestly, and I'm going to share my heart just for a moment, honestly, uh, this has been the greatest struggle that I've dealt with during the pandemic. Um, Just having the heart of an under-shepherd and being distant and remote for most of the time in community, it's been a struggle. Because by nature, I'm not wired that way. By nature, I want to be with people. I want to be in touch with people. In fact, just a few days ago, we heard that one of our dear friends had a stroke, and I felt so helpless. We did pray, and we saw a miracle, and the friend was healed. But my first impulse was run to the hospital, go be with his wife and his family, just be there with them like a shepherd should, and and we can't because of the restrictions. So there's been something that that I've asked the Lord to help me with. Now, we're working at ways here in this church to close that gap. In fact, I think you know that we're one of the few churches that are actually open for business on Sunday morning, and I, I thank God. I thank a great staff that's done their due diligence that plans so well. Why? Because they have a heart for you as well. They have a heart for the community. And these are people that lay awake at night with me and think through these processes and the dilemmas that we face and we pray over them. And there's a a thoughtfulness that goes into the decision-making process. But we're trying to close the gap. We're trying to to not be as remote or distant and look for the ways to do that. You can see that we've really worked at upgrading our online presence, and I hope you feel that at home, folks. I really do because for the first two or three weeks, our dear Mike just did all he could to just upgrade our presence in your house, and I think most people saw a difference from week one to week three. We're trying to do these things right now. We have a heart to continue to send out cards so you actually see someone writing a note. Isn't that amazing? That you actually get to experience what it might feel like to just have closeness right now. Because over the last few months, I've observed some things. And and that's what I want to share with you today. And I'm going to share with you after this service in our congregational meeting. And it has to do with the way the way that we speak to each other, about each other. I think because most of our communication recently is being done from a distance, Uh, we're doing a lot of things through social media. And I think what's happened is it's, it's led us, or it's become easier for us to publicly criticize and devalue others. Now, I'm not a social media hound. I'm not there all the time. I couldn't manage that. I couldn't handle that emotionally. It would just probably kill me with 
the different things that people say to each other. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it has everything to do with our Christian testimony in a very difficult day. Someone asked me, are we in the last days? And I said, maybe. But I can tell you this, if we're not, we're getting a good trial run, and you're getting a good look at how you're going to respond when things get to be very, very difficult. So right now I'm asking you, the church, Canby Foursquare Church, to pay attention and to listen. I see public criticism and devaluing others who have different opinions than we do. I see people publicly criticizing and devaluing those who are leaders, political leaders, institutional leaders, pastoral leaders. I think you all know, especially in your living room when you're on social media, you'll find it maybe a little easier to say some things that you might not want to say to people in person. I want to tell you this right now. Leaders are an easy target. Institutes are an easy target right now. Because I think we have too much time on our hands to throw out our opinions. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. And yet, the Bible says that our, our tongue has everything to do with our testimony. And that how we speak of others, how we treat others, makes all the difference in the world. And this... This is a shepherd, and if you hear my heart, I'm speaking as a shepherd. This breaks my heart. Christians are th- saying things to and about others that according to Scripture should only be said in the company of one or a few if you follow the Matthew 18 process. Not in the company of dozens or hundreds. You see, when we publicly expose others there are a few things that it exposes in us. And so I want to speak to us. There are a few things I know that it can expose in me. One is a lack of love. Because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't say it covers up. It says it covers. Do you know what that means? That means for the one that has offended another or the the one caught in sin or the one that's weak, the stronger ones come in and they cover their spiritual nakedness, their brokenness. They don't expose, but they cover. The other thing that might be exposed in our hearts is a lack of prayer. (laughs) It indicates to me that we're talking more and praying less And if I can encourage you right now, if I could give you any word of strong exhortation, strong input, it would be this. Would you you look at praying more than talking more? And I guarantee that when we pray, it makes a difference. That when we pray for others, it'll make a huge difference. The other thing exposes, and I... I'm going to speak to the heart, to the very issue, I think, of our, of our being and who we are and how God has made us. And there's brokenness that we have to deal with. But I think the purpose behind public scolding is honestly to shame others. And I know that shaming others is not the way of the Lord. And I'm so thankful 
that the Lord didn't call me out publicly on a lot of my brokenness. I'm glad that the Lord took another path, and that was this, that he decided to die for me instead of expose me and scold me. Friends, the way of the Lord is what we're being called to right now. And I don't know where this lands in your heart. I I really don't know. But I would appreciate if you take this from the heart of a shepherd and that you would start to digest that in your own life and, and find out how you can practically apply praying and loving others, even those who are different. The question I've asked myself is this. Can it be that the lack of person-to-person that we've experienced in the last several months, hugs, smiles, handshakes, has it made us a little more insensitive and possibly calloused to the needs of others? It's a question that I have to ask, and believe me, I've asked myself. Because if that is true, I'm just praying and asking the Lord to forgive me, to repent. When I look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, we see some things there that have to do with this relationship between sheep and shepherd. And we're going to be in this passage of Scripture for three Sundays, and I think it's absolutely worth it. And here's what it says. It says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock and for the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never, ever fade away. Did you notice that Peter defines the responsibilities and qualifications of a pastor leader here? In verse 1, it's a different Greek word. The word that we have in English is the word elder. It's the Greek word presbytos, which sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's because we get the word presbyterian from that particular word. And then in verse 2, he actually uses another word. And the word is overseer or bishop. And the Greek word there is episkopos. Sound familiar? It's where we get the word Episcopalian. And then he uses another word in verse 2. The word here is about um, being someone who is an overseer, someone who's a bishop, but it's also about pastoring. And he uses those words, a pastor, shepherd, and it has to do with responsibility. And again in verse 2, there's that word shepherd, pastor. The Greek word there is pomin. This is not so much a a position of pastor, but it's the activity of pastoring. There's so many people here at Canby Foursquare Church that, that participate 
in the activity of pastoring, and I'm so thankful, even though you might not have the title of, of, of pastor, thank God, because it's not always fun to wear that title, but, but I'm going to tell you this, pastoring is what God has called many of you to do. I see it. I see it in our small groups. I see it in our community. I see it in your life. That you're out in the activity of pastoring people. It's a ministry. It's a vocation. It's who you are. And out of who you are flows this ministry of loving and pastoring others. All three of these words describe one person. Remember that. Peter is describing one person here. It's three in one. And in many ways, listen to this. I just found this the other day. It's symbolic of the, of the Trinity. Or may, maybe a better way to say it is it's a model of the Trinity. See if this doesn't make sense to you. The word elder, really referring to maturity. It's referring to maturity. That, that has the, the, the feeling of a, of a father, doesn't it? It has a fatherly connotation there. The next is an overseer or a bishop, and that has to do with the responsibility. And when you, think about, when you think about the responsibility of redeeming us and carrying out the will of the Father, you immediately think of a son, the Son, Jesus Christ. And then the third word is shepherding and pastoring. It has to do with the ministry. And by the way, that's present tense. And what that means is, is, is the, th- this role, pastoring, is carrying out the ministry of Jesus Christ on this earth. And who does that? It's the Holy Spirit. So here you have the model of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit wrapped into one. It's a beautiful picture. Peter is speaking to elders as he himself is an elder. Notice he doesn't look down or look up, but he looks straight across. And he's looking into the eyes, as it were, of his peers. And he's saying, I'm among you. I I know what this is like. I'm I'm later in years. And by the way, uh, it wouldn't be too many years later that Peter would die for Jesus Christ. He's saying to these to these leaders, these other elders, he's saying, I'm not arrogant in this. I want to take a humble road here. Peter is a fellow elder. He knows and understands what they have gone through. He knows what it's like to be a shepherd in the body of Christ. And I would imagine that when other pastors, maybe less experienced and younger, heard from Peter, that there was a calm and a peace that came over their lives. I know that's been true for me when I was a younger pastor, just to hear from older pastors like Alan Hamilton and Ron Mel and Jerry Cook and Tom Ferguson, who took interest in me and, and mentored me and, and spoke to me. I, I remember calling them because I was in a panic about you. I was just all turned upside down, and I, and I called them, and I'd unpack my story, and And they'd kind of chuckle and say, oh, it's going to be okay, and you're going to face a lot more situations like this. And after 32 years, they are absolutely right. But to hear the voice of an elder speak into your life. Now today, I'm the old guy. And I have young pastors calling me, talking to them, encouraging them. And not by so much of what I say, but more by what I've experienced. You can see that there's a calm. There's a peace that comes into that conversation. I know that's Jesus. I know that's the great shepherd speaking through an under-shepherd. 
It's amazing how this works. See, Peter also speaks of three important components or necessities of being an elder, bishop, pastor. Number one is this, and you can write it down if you like, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a priority. In in verse 7, it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Peter has a a literal witness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. These, These younger leaders who haven't had the privilege to meet Jesus because Jesus had already gone, Peter is one of those physical connections to Jesus Christ and his ministry on earth. And so he speaks out of that experience. He speaks out of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the same is true for us today, especially those leading, those that are pastoring. We need to have a personal encounter and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What can happen oftentimes is when we're, we're, we're feeding and tending, we forget we need to be fed and tended to. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a time in ministry, and it was a, 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 a dry time for me that I'd, just, I'd pick up the Bible and, and, I, and, I, and I would just see this as a tool of my vocation and not really the living word that would speak to me. You see, this is not only a, a, a tool that God desires for us to use, but it, it, it's living and breathing life into us. And pastors need to be in Scripture, so it's breathing life. There have been times that I've been reading the passage, and I'm, I'm so tempted because I, I love you, and I'm so tempted to say, oh, I'm going to write that one down. I want to talk to the people about this. And the Lord says, no, stop right there. This is between you and me. Not me and them. So I write it down and say thank you. Here's a pastor's greatest challenge. When the pastor grows, the sheep grow. When the pastor's stagnant, the sheep are stagnant. Yikes. I apologize for times in my life over 32 years where I've been stagnant, because I have. And if cause and effect is true, then you might have gone through a season of stagnation. God loves us. We're on a journey together. We do this following Jesus, having a personal relationship with him as paramount to health in our own lives. Peter says that. The second thing Peter does is he talks about a practical gifting to serve Jesus. It's in verses 2 and 3. He said, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The pastor must always remember that they don't own the sheep but they've been entrusted with the sheep of Jesus Christ, the sheep of his hand. This is an issue of sacred stewardship, of recognizing that sheep aren't something that belong to you. Sheep are something you have a privilege 
to be part of and that we get to grow together. See, that's the intimacy of all of this. And again, that's why it's been kind of hard for this shepherd to go through the last six months because some of that intimacy dissipates just a little bit, but we keep working at it, and we want to keep working at it. But there's a practical gifting that comes through this, through this stewarding of the flock of God. A pastor must have, first of all, a calling. Listen, I guarantee you cannot do this without a calling. And I can't tell you how many times, and I think Annette and I uh, can just you know, kind of look at each other and know what we're talking about. Like soldiers that have gone through war, you just have that look and you go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We could not get to this place in life and ministry if we didn't go back to that place of calling and say, Lord, we're reminded even through this very, very difficult time, you've called us and you haven't reversed that call. If you want to change it or redirect it, go ahead and do it. But we're in this until you change your mind. Because I want to change my mind almost every day. But there is a divine call. Just like in your business, just like in your vocation, just like in what you're doing, there's a divine call in your life. A call to be a businessman, a businesswoman, to, to, to preach the gospel in the way that you preach the gospel through hospitality for the Burnetts. That's the way it happens. Through going out and spending time with poor and those that are just lost that's what you do, Saucedos. You do that all the time. I see that ministry working in your lives. That is a call just as real, just as important, just as divine as a call to pastor is. So the calling comes with a gift. There's usually a gifting that comes with that. And we can unpack that in other places. Ephesians chapter 4 helps us understand it. There's other places when Paul writes to Timothy that unpacks the gifting aspects of what it means to pastor and lead people. But certainly with a call, there's a gift that's provided and there's also fruit as the evidence of a call. It's a gift to feed, to teach God's word. It's a gift to lead, to administrate God's people. You see, it's a gift to teach and a gift to lead. I tell young pastors who are coming into this, I, said, I say to them, do you know, and I just did this recently, because they're just trying to figure out their way through this right now, this pandemic. And, and, and I've told them, I said, now you do know that you have almost two jobs, really a job and a half. And they say, well, I know I'm pretty busy, but what are the two jobs? Because they're, they're a little bit astounded. And I said, well... One job is you run a, a small kingdom enterprise during the week. It's called church administration, and you're the, you're the top dog. You're the boss, and so you're running a business, but you have another job. The other job is you've got to study for Sunday morning because it's coming, and that's your second job, and so you're working two jobs. You go for it, boy and girl. That's what, and all of a sudden, there's this reality. Oh, yeah, this is what I do. So this also comes with one other thing. It's a powerful desire to please Jesus. And that's really what Peter says in verse 4. He says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. 
He's talking to those that have been called to pastor. He's saying, listen, it does pay off. There is a reward. You might not see it now, but there is a reward. It's an eternal reward. Keep your eye on heaven. Keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your head up. Look to the hills. From the hills comes your help. That's what he's saying here. And Paul echoes that same thought, that same truth. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul defines what that reward is. Paul says this, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our crown. See, what really matters is what happens in eternity and that we get to stand by each other before Jesus and live an eternal life together and we're going to look around and we're going to say, wow, that person led me to Jesus. That person helped me be a disciple. That, per- that is your crown. That is what your reward looks like. That is a beautiful thing. And notice that it has nothing to do with buildings or structure or Monetary resources, it has everything to do with a living and breathing soul and spirit of who you are. I see you. And I want to be with you in heaven. What I want you to know is that you're loved. That you are deeply loved. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today to remind us, I think, what this is all about. This is not a temporary endeavor that we're part of. This is an eternal endeavor that we're part of. Would you remind us today when we get caught up in some of those temporary things that just seem to hang us up a bit and remind us this is about eternity. This is about our gospel equity, our testimony here on this planet. Keep us, Lord. Preserve us. Let your Holy Spirit fill us in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say, Amen. So for those that are in this room... Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.